Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right. Um, yeah, thank you so much. You know, so uh, Claire, or sorry, Claire, Aubrey had mentioned uh, today is Palm Sunday, and uh, Palm Sunday is uh, really about, um, you know, this, this moment where the, the week before Jesus is crucified, he comes to, uh, into Jerusalem and, uh, outside of the town, um, there were people who saw him coming and they were waving palm branches, which is obviously a, a tree that's very common in, um, in Israel. And they took those, um, palm branches and they were, they were, you know, waving them kind of like in a procession, right? It's called the triumphal entry because um, we know now the King Jesus was arriving in Jerusalem to his rightful place, right? This is the this is the um, 400 years since since any prophet had spoken, and you know we know the stories from what we've talked about before that the uh, the Israelite kingdom was destroyed; they were taken into exile, and the temple was destroyed, and all that, and they were waiting for their king and the prophesied Messiah was going to be the king that they thought was going to restore, um, that was going to restore the, the Jewish kingdom. And so the triumphal entry is now Jesus, who we know as the king of kings, right? The Lord of lords makes his way into Jerusalem, the city of the kings, the city of David, as the king of kings. And so um, they're waving palm branches and, and calling Hosanna. And so that's why this is called Palm Sunday, um, because of that day, which obviously the rest of it leads up to Good Friday. Um, which is this coming Friday where Jesus was crucified, and then we'll celebrate next Sunday, uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, together. So um, I think there's some some symbolism for us, Um, the idea of how welcomed Jesus was um, on Palm Sunday is the posture of our hearts that we want to take today, but also take every week. You know, we want to be we want to be people that that welcomes Jesus into our lives. That that there are, that we create space and avenues for Him to speak to us, for Him to work in our lives. And so Palm Sunday can be lived out every day of our lives by starting with the idea of Hosanna, Jesus, you are praised, you are worthy, you are welcome. I give you glory. Have your way in my life. And so um, that's the posture that I want to start. Um, this teaching, this message part from today. Um, We are going to finish our redemption message series today. Um, We have been in a series that has been talking about the concept of redemption that has been shown um, really for, um, that has really been shown over the past, um, all throughout scripture, all throughout the Bible. And so what we see in, in scripture is this road to redemption that ultimately leads to um, that leads to Easter Sunday, where Jesus really accomplished the greatest rescue story of all. And so what we've been doing is over the past, um, the past like six weeks, is we've been examining stories in Scripture of the, the Old Testament, some of the New Testament, of various passages that really talk about different aspects of redemption. And so today we're going to be finishing that up um, by uh, talking about one more passage of scripture, and this is the one where Jesus is actually on the cross, and he's talking. Uh, he has uh, two, what are traditionally called thieves, but criminals, who are next to him, one on each side, and we're going to see the concept of redemption <laughs> in Jesus's most painful moments, 
and really see the choice that befits all of us. So uh, we're going to get right to Scripture. So if you guys have your Bibles, I encourage you to pull them out uh, and go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. I heard my wife saying that, uh, I think, or maybe Kylie was saying that this was uh, a perfect time to be able to use like your physical Bible. You know, when you're kind of just sitting in a room, maybe in your bed or or like in a uh, on a couch or something, you know, most of us use our phones, and I do too. Um, but there is something about having a physical Bible. So I encourage you, if you have one, pull it out. Um, if you don't, go to your Bible app and open to Luke chapter 23. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, a CSB. So if you want to find the translation to follow along word for word for what I'm reading. Um, and so the context here is that Jesus was just put on the cross. Um, and so he is now there. He's been nailed to the cross. He's, we don't know for how long at this point. Um, but he is on the cross and he's suffering and he's, you know, this is, this was capital punishment for the Roman empire. This was the, the, the worst of the worst. This was the, like the electric chair or hanging or the firing squad. This was the, the punishment that was given out to, to the worst of criminals. Um, and they would do it on a public scale. So they would put people up in, on these trees, like in these, you know, cross beams and they would nail them there. And they would essentially leave them there to die. They would suffocate. They would bleed out. And uh, so it's this horribly painful, torturous um, death. And so it begins in verse 32 is where we're going to be reading. Luke chapter 23, verses 32. And we're going to be reading through this section. It says, two other criminals were also led away to be executed with him. And when they arrived at the place called the Skull, which is, um, we know of uh, as called Golgotha. Um, the reason it's called that is because from a distance, it has like facial features on the side of a rock that actually appears to be like a skull face. And so that was the nickname. Like, it would be like going to the hill or whatever, like some kind of named place. That's where that was. When they arrived at the place called the skull, which is fitting for what they do there, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. This is one of the most famous words of Jesus that is recorded. You know? um, and if you take it in the context of the last five weeks of our message series, what you see here is right away, like already Jesus like, is, is here for a mission, right? The entirety of the Bible we've been talking about is about redemption. It's about a lost people who since the Garden of Eden have been separated, who've been broken, who have been cursed by sin and have been unable to have a relationship with their creator. We see that all throughout the stories of, of redemption, we see that God goes over and over again to great lengths to redeem his people, to rescue his people. And here, the one reason Jesus came to earth, the first thing he does that is recorded on the cross when he is being crucified is he says, forgive them, God. They have no idea what they're doing. Could you imagine that? Like, I'm thinking to myself, when I stub my toe, I'm mean. Like, this happened to us, like, like this has happened to me so many times where, like, I hit my head on something or I stub my toe on something, and I get mad at everybody except, like, myself. My mom actually tells a story of me when I was a, a boy. Like, I ran into, a, like, a tree or something, and I got mad at the tree. Like, <clears throat> I mean, that's that's a whole other issue, but but – can you imagine for a second having nails in your wrists and in your feet and like being hung up to where you can't really breathe? 
And the thing that crosses your mind is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. Already in the story, we see the compassion that we've talked about, right? The great, the great willingness, like the unwillingness to stop, right? We see that in Jesus' words. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And it continues. And so they divided his clothes and they cast lots. And I was thinking about that. What an interesting thing to include. And I think it's, it's kind of like in akin to how, how we, uh, we buy celebrity stuff, you know, like um, auctions off of movie props and things like that, you know, like you want to take things and then you kind of like show it off to people, you know, like that's an element to that. And they cast lots, which is like a dice game. They would, um, they would, they would take dice and they would basically throw it. And then whoever got a certain number would get this article or that piece or whatever. It's kind of like rock, paper, scissors, like that kind of a thing for, you know, to get these. So they were dividing up his clothes that he had, you know, and, and, and basically going to like create like a museum in their house or whatever they would do just so they could say, I was there that day, you know, they're doing that. It continues in verse 35. The people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. People are watching. This is like a spectacle. And they said they were laughing and scoffing. He saved others, referencing all the miracles that he did. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Like the full brunt of like sin, right? Like rising to the top. You know what I'm talking about? Like when, you, when you're angry or when you're frustrated, like sometimes you get spiteful, you know? Anybody like that? Anybody ever gotten spiteful or just like, like you just, for whatever reason, it rises up inside of you and you just, you're mean, you know, and, and that's what's happening here is these people, we don't know why, we don't know their stories, but they're mocking him. If you did all of that, maybe, maybe someone's in the crowd who wanted Jesus to heal them. Think about this for a second. Maybe someone who was following after Jesus and tried a couple times to get his attention and wasn't able to. Maybe they're angry at God, you know. Maybe that's the case for someone in the crowd watching him being crucified. He goes, you couldn't save me, but save yourself. Like that's, there's just this anger and bitterness. It says the soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, if you're the king of the Jews, then save yourself. And an inscription was above him on the, a prophetic inscription, really, was written and stamped above the cross. It said, this is the king of the Jews. And they actually wanted, another passage in one of the other gospels said that they wanted um, the Romans to take it down. The Jewish leaders like, no, don't put that up there because it'll stand forever. And now we know, right? Like it was true, the king of the Jews, Jesus Christ, king of kings, lord of lords, alpha and omega, beginning and the end. Like even though they were mocking him with it, the truth was declared. I love that. And it was still there. Verse 39, here's the meat of our message today. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. So, you know, he's fitting in with what everybody else is saying. Aren't you the Messiah? Why don't you save yourself and us while you're at it? You know, just snarky. You know, just like ticked off, like you're nothing, clearly, because you're sitting up here and you're no better than us. But the other one answered, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly. We don't know what they did, right? We are getting back what we deserve for the things that we did. It must have been something pretty bad. Traditionally, it's they're called thieves. Not many thieves are crucified, Okay. Um, these guys must have done something pretty bad or at least have done it enough times to warrant public execution. Um, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for these things. But this man 
has done nothing wrong. And then he said, turning to Jesus, and this is as simple as it is, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. So we don't know much about this guy. We don't know where he came from. He must have some recollection of who Jesus is. He must have heard one of Jesus's parables about the kingdom, you know, of God. He must have because he references it here. One man mocks Jesus. One man just laughs at him. I just imagine him just rolling his eyes and being like, you spent three years roaming around, like, you know, serving other people and doing magic tricks. And you ended up in the same place that I did. You're nothing. And then one of the other guys who's right next to him sees him for what he is and says, please, if you are who you say you are, please remember me. Please remember me. Like, and I'm, I'm struck by this because there's no, there's no like profession of faith other than what's built into the message, right? Like he just simply said, this man has done nothing wrong. And he kind of alluded to him being a God, right? Because he said, he said, um, don't you even fear God since we are receiving the same punishment as one. Like that's what he's saying. So he, he's professing to him that he recognizes that Jesus is like who he said he was. And he doesn't, he doesn't have to kneel. He doesn't have to, to, you know, say a certain prayer. He doesn't have to go to church a certain number of times. He doesn't have to give a certain amount of money. Like, this, this is the simplicity of the gospel message lived out right here. All it takes is a desire to be reconnected to your Savior. That's all that it requires. And he says, would you remember me, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom? And this is what Jesus says to him in verse 43. And he said to him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And this is a tough passage of scripture because a lot of people myself included struggle with feeling like is it really that simple can it be that easy like whatever this guy did he deserved his punishment at least we assume he did you know we've talked about this before we talked about this this struggle of feeling like like that we have to earn something you know like that we are better at our faith when we are participating. And it's true. There is truth to, to the fact of that when we serve God, when we participate in church, when we serve other people, when we give, when we allow uh, the Spirit of God to, to, to transform us, that we, that we receive more from God than we would otherwise. But that doesn't, we should not confuse that with earning our place as children of God. You know, what we have seen all throughout this message series, Redemption, has been that it is God's action in response to himself and his character and who he is and his love and his commitment that ultimately is what brings redemption. And really, the response for the people who were receiving the redemption was just simply to receive it. Like, that's the obligation. And I think that's highlighted in this story. In this passage where we see our Savior suffering on a cross, what we really see is two choices. This story reflects the two choices that any person could ever make in response to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Many people, we know, choose the option of the first thief, the first criminal, who just kind of mocks, who just, you know, like, like ignores it doesn't take it seriously, 
thinks it's, it's, it's not anything worth considering, thinks it's magic or a charlatan. There are a lot of people, maybe you've come across them, friends of yours or coworkers or neighbors or even parents, family members, who feel like your faith is, is ridiculous, that it's silly, that it's childish, that it's, that it's ancient, that it's not even relevant, that we're more evolved than that. And even if they might not openly mock it, some people do, for sure. Some people curse God. Some people mock God. Some people mock Christians, mock faith. Um, some people, they just, they mock it indirectly by their arrogance, you know, by their, by their unbelief, by their lifestyle. And so some people choose, and each one of us have chosen that. And for years, I chose that route. I thought my parents were simple-minded for years when I was a teenager, before I came to Christ, I chose the route and the choice and the response of the first thief, the first criminal. And I lived my life as if there was no God. And truth be told, it brought me to a place of where um, I wished there was. <laughs> and maybe some of you have, this, have a similar story. Um, the only answer to my questions was found in Jesus Christ. And the second response that we see is this, this criminal who says to, to Jesus, he recognizes who he was. And I, as I mentioned, he didn't have any, any sense of, um, you know, like there was no ritual to it. It was just a heart's cry. You know, a man who knew that he was at the end and saw who Jesus was and just recognized it and just cried out and asked for mercy. And Jesus' response to him was, immediately, today, not after punishment, not after purgatory, not after some level of, you know, any kind of, of penance, today, you will be with me in paradise. And that's the other response that is available that many of us in here, I think every one of us in this, in this meeting today, in this gathering today, have chosen is, I receive it willingly. I receive it. Like, I'm not hiding who I was. There was none of that. Like the, the, the thief didn't say, you know, he didn't, he didn't say, well, you know, like I'm justifying my actions. He wasn't signing some contract that had legal language that said, you know, I get to keep the stuff I stole. Like there was none of that. It was simply, I don't want to live the rest of eternity separated from my creator. I don't want this to be the way I go out. I don't want this to be the status that I'm known for forever. I don't want to go down as the one who mocked the king of kings. You know, I want to be the one who, who is saved. Like, I heard about your kingdom. I want to be there because it sounds awesome. You know, that's the other response that's available. Two responses. Now, I was doing a little bit of study in the, the Greek word for paradise that Jesus uses when he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Is I'm going to butcher it again because I didn't take Greek language. Is I think it's paradisio or paradisio, which is obviously paradise, right? But interestingly enough, it is the same word that is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament for the Garden of Eden. So now the Garden of Eden or the, the Old Testament obviously was written in Hebrew, but there is a Greek translation of it. And the same word that Jesus uses in the Greek New Testament for paradise is the same word that is used in the Greek New Testament for the Garden of Eden. And so what we see here is the curse of the tree in the Garden of Eden, the paradise that is lost, 
is restored on the cross with Jesus, the tree of the curse of the cross. So we see that the curse was created, was, was unleashed on the world in the Garden of Eden. And from that point, the entire story of the Bible has been a rescue mission leading to this moment in Luke 23 that we're reading about today, where Jesus says, today, today, after this is done, today, after this is done, you will be with me in Paradiso, in Eden, in the same place where the curse began, the curse is broken today. I love that. That's so beautiful. The, 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 the imagery and the symbolism that we see throughout Scripture. The, the picture of the responses that is available to us in every single day, just like we said at the beginning of this with Palm Sunday, we have a choice every single day to be the ones to raise the palms and, 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 and to, to wave them and to say Hosanna and welcome him into our lives and to say, be my king, be the king of my life, be the king of the kingdom of my heart, Jesus. And just like that, we also have the same choice every day to say to say i want to be with you remember me i choose you jesus i believe in you my response is you every single day that's the choices that are available to us and um i want to just kind of close it with this idea that i mentioned um i want to give credit to to rob bell who you know take it or leave it um he, he used to do these um, messages um, that were called NUMA, these NUMA videos, and they were fantastic. Um, and he did one called The Two Trees, or The Three Trees, I forget. But um, we see in the, in the Garden of Eden that there are, um, that there are trees of, uh, in, in, of the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And obviously in the story, Adam and Eve, they take the fruit from the tree and they eat it and it brings upon this curse because they wanted to be the masters of their own lives instead of living in communion in the right relationship with God. And therefore the curse is existing on, on all of us. What happens is, is we get to this tree in the middle of the book, the climax of the story, right? Which is Jesus Christ on the cross, breaking the curse of the tree of, of Eden with his death and then his resurrection. And then throughout you know, all throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus talking about his, about how the kingdom is coming, right? But it's already here. So there's this halfway. And then in the book of Revelation, when Jesus returns and there's the new heaven and the new earth, there's a tree again. And the tree um, where, the, where the, the river flows out, the spirit of God flows out over all of the earth. And it's this paradise, right? Look at how the Bible begins and how the Bible ends. It begins and ends with these trees, Right. Like, and in the beginning, we have this tree of paradise. And in the end, we have the restored tree of paradise. And in the middle, we've got this tree that was meant to be a curse that is broken. And ultimately, the redemption, the rescue story that Jesus gives us, that he, that he um, buys us back from sin. He, he pays the penalty of the curse for us and redeems us. And ultimately, we look forward now to the fulfillment of creation, fulfillment of the trees in, in when Jesus returns. I think it's so beautiful for us. And so we see this story, and as we finish this message series of redemption, the entire Bible is really about this rescue mission. I mean, the bulk of our Bible, the bulk of the stories of our Bible, from, from the Garden of Eden to the trees in the cross and to the trees in the end of Revelation is really all about redemption. And it centers on Jesus, and it centers on a God that loves us, 
It centers on a God that, that created, that from the moment the sin, that sin came into the world and the curse was, was, was put out on the earth and we have been dealing with its effects. I hear people all the time now saying, where did the coronavirus come from? Did God send it to us? You know, the answer to that is no. The answer, though, is that the virus and all the sadness and all of the death and disease and violence that takes place in this world are the effects of sin in the world running its course. And from the moment that the curse was unleashed on the world because of our actions in the garden, God has been taking steps that have led us to the death of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, and redemption being made available for each of us. And one day, when he returns, and he promised that he will, the fullness of this redemption and creation will be restored. We will live in a world where there is no more death, where there are no more tears, where there is no more depression or anxiety or violence or guilt or shame. All of those things will be wiped away, as it says in Revelation. And so we are people, as Christians, who are of the here and the not yet. We are people, and that's why so much of our, of our um, like, like Advent and Christmas or Lent or so many of our, our Christian traditions are wrapped up in, in the, the suffering of the moment, but the hope of the future. Or like in Advent is the same thing, right? It's the waiting for the Savior, but celebrating him being here and celebrating and waiting for his return, right? That is who we are. And so that's what Jesus is saying about the kingdom. Every one of his stories really exhibits the idea of the kingdom of God here now, but also what it means in the future and what it will be like. And so for us as people of the cross, that's who we are. We are marked of the cross. Jesus said, if you will follow me, you must deny yourself and you must pick up your cross and follow me, right? The idea is we are to be people marked as a cross. And that doesn't, you know, a lot of us just wear like a necklace that has a cross on it. And that's designed, is meant to be identifying it, but a reminder but it should be really a mark that we wear that says every single day I choose to respond to the redemption of the cross in my life. At the same time, I'm looking forward to his return. I'm looking forward to his return. And that's why we have the greatest hope of all. That no matter what, what happens here, no matter if the coronavirus takes over the world and it's the apocalypse, no matter if, no matter if we have a disease and it does not get healed, until, until we, we reach eternity. And no matter if our bills never get paid, you know, no matter how worse it ever gets, we have a hope in Jesus Christ that one day he promises he will return or when we meet him before he returns after our death, that we will be restored to our original intent. That is the great hope that we have as Christians, which is reflected in the death of, and the resurrection of our Savior. And so I hope you guys have enjoyed, um, enjoyed this message series. Uh, I would encourage you, if you um, never have um, or if you're interested, um, to go out and check out the book that I mentioned last week. Uh, it's by, I believe her name was Sandra Richter, uh, and it was called, um, I think I have it right here. Sorry, it was called Epic of Eden. And it talks a lot about these various passages and stories and the concept of redemption. Um, ultimately leading to Jesus. And so I hope you've enjoyed this um, this series. So this Friday, we will come back together uh, to, for our Good Friday service at seven o'clock here on Zoom. And we will have some communion together. We'll do that here in just a moment. Um, and then we're going to talk about the cross particularly on Friday. And then on Sunday, we will celebrate 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, but would you guys pray with me and get your go ahead and get your communion elements together? Jesus, I want to direct you. Uh, I want to directly address you. Thank you, thank you, for what you have done on the cross. We know that the cross is only half of the gospel. The cross and the resurrection together create what we are and why we're here. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the story of redemption. I thank you that you gave us a book, the Bible, that is full of, of, of images and pictures and themes and stories and narratives and concepts and his history that all point to your rescue plan that was accomplished on the cross um, 2,000 years ago. Thank you for it. And so today, as we close this, this teaching, this message series, that's really been exploring all the different aspects of your redemption leading to the cross, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your willingness. And you could, we can see your heart in the beginning of the passage. You're on the cross, and you just cry out for forgiveness for, for us. And when you do that, I, I just know that it's not just the people who are putting you there, but it's me. It's all the things that I said about you before I believed. It's all the things that every person in this meeting has said about you or before they believe. It's the choices that we make every day that deny you even when we say we believe in you. It's all the people in the world who still actively mock you or indirectly do it. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your heart for us. Thank you for your, your desire to know us and to find us and to rescue us. I thank you so much for it, God. Let us be people who choose every single day to give you glory, to call you, to, to worship you, to say Hosanna, to be people every day who choose to receive um, over and over again your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. And God, I pray that you would encourage us today that we would be people who will be with you in paradise. God, let us be people that now take comfort and joy and strength from the fact that we know that we are called your children now, but also give us hope. Rise up hope for those of us who struggle and in the days ahead that when, when every one of us will struggle um, to look forward to the day when you will return and when you will make all things new, when all things will be restored. God, give us that great hope. Let it sit deep in our hearts. We thank you. And I pray that all throughout this week as we um, you know, go through and get closer to, to Good Friday and Easter Sunday, that we would just be mindful, be mindful of, of what this week symbolizes and, and what you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.